five minutes till service, guys. Grab a seat, grab a friend, sit down, and let's do this.
What's up, Bridge Youth? How are we doing yo, tonight? Yo, yo, Welcome, everybody. If you guys are still making your way in, go ahead and find your seats. Find your seat real quick. We're about to get started. We're super excited for tonight, y'all. We got our virtual reality series going on. Dang. What week are we on now? Two or three? Are we on week I two? Think it's three. Week two. Week two. Dang, it's two. Quick. All right. So, if you guys it's don't three, know, huh? it's three. Is it three? It's three. Okay, it's three. Yeah. You lied to me at first. <laughs> All right, y'all. My name's Isaiah. My name's Tyler. We're your guys' service host for tonight. So we're gonna get started off with some announcements. Tyler, you wanna hit up with the first one? For sure, dude. First up, uh, if you don't follow us on social media, we have an Instagram and TikTok. It's bridge, YTH underscore. If you guys wanna stay up to date on the latest church news, whether it's youth or in regular service, it's gonna be on our Instagram and TikTok at bridge, YTH underscore. Also, guys, if you guys are only coming out on Wednesday nights, we got Bridge Youth on Sundays also. We come in at 11.30, we go to the worship service first, and after worship, we come right in here. We have our connect groups, we have an awesome time. So if you guys aren't coming on Sundays, be sure to come on Sundays, 11.30. Hey, and we have Bible clubs on campus. Who's in the Bible club on your campus? I see yeah. you. <laughs> Hey, we want to see everybody there, though. If we have a Bible club on your campus, come on. It's either going to be at lunch or after school. Just uh, DM us if you want some more info on that. Also, guys, who's already signed up for Youth Convention? Raise your hand real quick. Yeah, there we go. So tonight is when registration closes, though. And we got two spots left for the guys. So there's two guys in here who two. want to go to Youth Convention. You got to sign up ASAP. Youth Convention is going to be April 28th to April 30th. It's going to be Friday to Sunday. So if you're a guy, go ahead and sign up. And if you're a girl, the spots already sold out, but you can get on the waiting list. So still try to sign up if you can just to get on that waiting list. So if any spots do happen to open, you got a slot in there. Hey, but that's for the people that aren't signed up. If you are signed up, we actually have a meeting for you guys, a parental meeting for you guys. It's going to be this Sunday, April 23rd. 10.45 in the morning in the youth center. We want to see you guys there, okay? It's going to be an informational meeting for you guys and your parents. Also, guys, I want to kind of tell you guys a little bit about giving real quick. Um, this is our time for giving where it's another way to worship God. We don't just give for no reason. It's a way to worship God, show our appreciation for him and what he's done for us ultimately, really. So if you guys would like to give any tithes or offerings, we have our buckets in the back by the double doors. It's just to the right of the doors. And then um, also, if you guys don't have any physical cash or anything, you guys can give online at thebridgechurch.tv. Hey, I know we just got you guys nice and cozy, but can I get everybody to stand to your feet? Stand to your feet, please. We have a family time question. Zay, shoot the question. All right, y'all. Our question for tonight is, if you could live on any other planet besides Earth, which planet are you living on? Mars. And I'm, I'm counting Pluto as a planet, too. <laughs> yeah, Pluto, Pluto counts. Pluto planet. counts. <laughs>
right, everybody, we got worship up next. We're going to head to the front. Woo! jump into worship over the past few weeks we've been doing a sort of worship encouragement and you guys you guys have heard a lot of things about worship is what worship isn't and uh remember those things tonight as we worship as we jump as we get wild fun don't hurt nobody don't be pushing nobody over when you jump jump straight up and down and everybody try it on the count of three everybody just jump straight up and down ready one two three Perfect, you can do it. Let's jump five times in a row. Ready? One, two, three. One, two, three, four, five. It's leg day, baby. Now, I want to talk to you guys about a little bit different, uh, I guess, angle of worship. Listen up, listen up, listen up. Eyes up here, eyes up here. If you can hear me, clap once. <laughs> so, there's this other aspect of worship our service host just talked about. And that aspect is giving. Somebody say giving. You ever heard this saying, uh, people say, put your money where you're, man, there's this, there's this scripture that talks about where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. This Sunday morning, our pastor, Pastor Gary, he charged our church to raise $100,000 over the next 45 days to impact the world and the global missions that we're a part of. If you guys don't know, our church is a part of missions all over the world, from Africa to the Ukraine to uh, the Philippines, all over. Listen up, guys. Listen up. Shh. Listen up. Listen up, y'all. I've got to go to some of these places, one of which was Kenya, and we got to build a church in Kenya. And when we built this church in Kenya, we were going every single day to the, the site where we were building this thing. And one of the days that we went, the, the first day we were starting construction, we passed by a flea market where we bought two things. We bought a soccer ball and we bought a rope. And with the rope, we began to play jump rope with a few kids that showed up. There was about maybe eight or 10 kids that showed up uh, the first day of construction. And we were like, hey, do you guys want to play jump rope? And they, yeah, so we start jump roping. We're kicking a soccer ball around. Day one, we sent the soccer ball, soccer ball home with a kid. That day, um, all those kids went home, and they told a bunch of their friends that these Americans, um, they call us Mzungu. That's like the um, African word for white boys. <laughs> they said these Mzungus have a jump rope. And the next day, about 15, 20 kids showed up. Those kids left and we built the church a little bit more. And they went home, they told a bunch of their friends that these guys that are building a church have a jump rope. And the next day about 35, 40 kids showed up. 
The next day, even more showed up. Sunday morning came. All these kids came to church. We were finished with the building. I got to preach in this building, this building that's still there today, having church every single Sunday. The entire room was packed out. There were people peeking through the windows to hear the word of God. It's a place of an epicenter of resource. And why do you share the, the, the story about the rope? For both the rope and the soccer ball, it costs one American dollar. And all these kids came every day. Here's my point. Over here, it costs so much to do so little. In other parts of the world, it costs so little to do so much. And impacting the world over the next 45 days, our church is going to give $100,000 to reach the world and to take the gospel all over the world. And Pastor Gary kept saying something, and I don't know if it was something that God had put in his heart or whatever. He just kept saying, man, I think that there's so many families that could do $1,000. He kept saying that. I think, oh, so many families. And maybe you can't. Maybe you could do 100. Maybe you could do 10. Maybe you could do 20. And I started thinking, well, yo, Bridge Youth's a family. And then I went home on Sunday. Amber and I talked, and I was like, I think that Bridge Youth should raise $1,000 to give towards this project to help bring the gospel all over the world. To do things like provide, provide churches in places where there are no churches. Be epicenters of resource. And here's how, here's how I want you to see giving as we're going to give you an opportunity in just a moment to jump on board with this. See it as like seed that you get to plant in the ground. That's going to grow. It's going to affect people's lives. And blessing comes back your way as well. Why are we blessed? We're blessed to be a blessing. We're, we're like conduits. As God blesses us, we bless those around us. Why are we doing this right now before worship? Because this is worship too. And I'll tell you, for some of you, some of you will go over into other parts of the world. Noah, how old were you when we were in Kenya? Noah was 17 years old when we went to Kenya and played jump rope with a bunch of kids. And we wheelbarrowed. We wheelbarrowed, that's a hard word for me to say. Wheelbarrowed, everybody say wheelbarrowed. We wheelbarrowed cement for like five, six hours a day to build this church and to build a stage and all of this. And you know something so cool? There used to be this uh, big cement block thing in the back of our youth center right over there that we destroyed right before we went to Kenya. And I took one of the little pieces of rock and I put it in the stage and we poured concrete over it. There will forever be a piece of bridge youth in Kenya, East Africa, where people are still hearing the gospel and getting saved every single week. I think that we should send a piece of bridge youth all over the world through our giving and worship God in that way. So what can you give? Maybe, maybe you're like a dollar. Great. Maybe five dollars. Maybe you're saying I could give 20, 15. Maybe you're like, I don't know. I could give a hundred. Maybe you're like, I don't know. God's just putting this number on my heart. I could give 200, 250, 300. Maybe some of you are like, I can go wash every car on my street because I know washing every car on my street, I could go and buy a new pair of sneakers, or I can send that money all over the world to help be a provision for people who have no provision to help be a blessing to people who don't live as blessed of a life as me. What can you give? Because I think God might call everyone. And look, if God doesn't provide it, you don't have to give it. But if God provides it, why don't we just make a difference in the world? Here's what I want you to realize. As I'm talking about the world, so many of you are thinking it's so far off. No, no, no. I've been to these places. Amber's been to these places. We Noah's been to these places. You can make a bigger difference than you realize with so little. 
So if you, like me, have had your heart moved, Amber and I are playing our part. When it comes to this $1,000 uh, challenge I'm giving Bridge Youth, we're going to be the first to do it. We're going to be the first to give. When it comes to the full $100,000 ones, we're, we're stretching our faith, and we're giving as well. So I, wanna, I, just, I just think that, like, I don't want Bridge Youth to miss their opportunity to give as well. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to challenge you. Let your faith get stretched, and let it be stretched right now, before we even move into worship, let me give you your opportunity. If you're in the room and you would say, you know what, Corey, I don't, maybe, I, maybe you have a dollar amount in your head already. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just know, I know I can give something and I want to give something to help bless the uh, people all throughout the world and help bring the gospel to people throughout the world. If that's you and you would say, you know what, Corey, I want to jump on board. I want to be a part of it. We have a team that has some envelopes that are going to put stuff in your hand right now. So if that's you and you would say, I want to partner with you. I want to help hit that goal. Of, think about this, $1,000. I'm terrible at math. If 100 people gave a certain amount of money, how much? That would be, bro, that would be 10 bucks. That would be 10. That's not a Chipotle meal. That is less than two Starbucks drinks. And we can hit this goal and see God work through it. It's not that God needs our money. It's that where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And we want to impact the world for the glory of God. If you're with me, you say, I want to do that. I'm going to be the first to lift my hand. If you want an envelope right now, you want to be a part of this, I want you to lift your hand right now. You want to join us in this. Let's go. I freaking love this. If you have your hand lifted, they're going to bring you an envelope. Can I? We got worship team people up here. If somebody can. Here, let me get a couple. I'll, I'll bring them across. Give me my envelope. Can you take one? Pass it down. Amber, uh, Amber disappeared. Guys, my wife is gone. She's getting more envelopes. Hey, while, while they're passing those out, I want to explain to you guys how this will work. <laughs> also, it's a tax deductible. Oh, wait, you don't pay taxes. <laughs> hey, um, next to the word, uh, there's, there's a word missions on there. Next to that, yours might say outreach. Missions or outreach. You just, before the end of the night, put a number. We have 45, well now it's like 40 days to meet this goal. So you put whatever number God puts on your heart. Again, hey, dude, if God puts five bucks on your heart, awesome. If God puts a dollar on your heart, awesome. If God puts $500 on your heart, great. Write that down. And if God provides it, you be faithful to give it. So in the next month, you fill, you just be faithful to fill this envelope with the, uh, with the number you've placed on there that God's placed on your heart. Close it, seal it. You can put your name on it. Everybody look back at, at those doors. Who's at the door back there? Is that Faith? Faith, can you just point at the offering, the giving box to the right of the door? There's a black box to the right of the door. In the next month, you take the envelope, drop it in there. We'll update you guys along the way on how we're doing with our gift. Now, can we do this? This is what they used to do in the old school days. Can you just take your envelope? Can you just lift it up to the Lord? And we're going to pray. Dude, you know what? I'm going to be, su the worship team kept saying, Corey, you said you take five minutes. Take five minutes. I'm not going. You know what I think being a pastor, one of the biggest things and one of the biggest roles that like as a pastor that you have, as a leader too, some of you guys, you guys are like leaders. You guys, you guys have influence amongst your friends, all this. When I see, when I see a bunch of teenagers holding up empty envelopes, I know for a lot of you guys, you see a bunch of teenagers holding up an empty envelope. 
You know what I see? I see a kid in Kenya that couldn't eat, but now he's going to have a meal. I see an empty, an empty dirt field that me and Noah walked up to on a Monday, and then that Sunday there was a church there that still stands. That's what I see. You know what I think being a leader is? I think being a leader is that when, when you, like, you close your eyes and you see things that other people don't see. It's called vision. And when I see this, I have a vision of people that are going to receive the gospel and get saved because of the investment we'll have. Do me a favor. Close your eyes. Bow your heads. You hold your envelope. God, I pray every single person would have a part to play. I know in a moment, God, we're going to move into worship. We're going to fold this envelope. We're going to put it in our pocket. God, maybe we, maybe we feel that envelope not till later tonight when we get home. But God, I pray that you would put a number on each of our hearts. And then, God, as we put our faith to work, God, that you would provide and we'd be faithful to give. And God, I pray that you would take that resource and God, like seed planted in the ground, God, that you would just send your word, your gospel all over the world. It'd be a blessing to people and your kingdom would be built. God, we have big vision. We have global vision. We believe, God, that you're building your kingdom all over the world. And we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Hey, fold that up. Put it in your pocket. Let's worship. All right, Bridget, who's excited to worship tonight? I said, who's excited to worship tonight? We worship with our giving, but now it's time to sing. Come on, Jake, let's go. All right, come on, put those hands together. Come on, come on, come on. Hope has broken free, spirit alive.
about God is that your situation, your problem did not catch him off guard. The things that you are going through right now might have caught you off guard, but it never caught God off guard. God never once looked at your situation and said, oh, wait a minute, I totally forgot about fill in the blank. God, there's nothing that ever occurred to God. God never realized anything because he already knew everything beforehand. And I feel like that for some of us tonight, you've come into this place with your baggage, with your brokenness, with your hurt. And I feel like what's gonna happen is, is that if we don't allow God to do whatever he has to do, if we don't allow God to just speak to us, rest on us, move through us, if we allow stuff like this to be happening and just be distracting people, what's gonna end up happening is that we're gonna come in one way and we're gonna leave the exact same way. But God doesn't want that. Instead, what God wants to do is that God wants to work through you. He wants to work in you. And I feel like that there's a great story in the Bible where there's these, there's these two sisters. One is named Mary, one is named Martha. And Martha is so distracted. She's distracted by everything. And she's distracted by all this stuff going on and all this stuff happening. And Jesus is in the same room and she's distracted and she's missing the point. But then her sister, Mary, is just at Jesus' feet. And look at, what, look at what Martha does. Martha goes up to Jesus and she says, hey, tell Mary to come and help me. Tell Mary to help me get all of this stuff ready. What did Martha become? Not only was Martha distracted, but Martha became a distraction as well. She wanted to get Mary away from Jesus, from, from his presence. And what did Jesus say? He said that Mary found what is right which is just to be in God's presence. Can I tell you that tonight, you might get distracted, but don't be a distraction to somebody else. Because the worst thing that you can do is get in the way of what God is trying to do in somebody else's life. Can I tell you, that is a train that you do not want to get in front of. Because one of those pieces is going to move and it's not going to be God. And so tonight, he wants to move. He wants to do things, but God's also a gentleman. It says that he stands at the door of our hearts and he knocks. It doesn't say that he barges in. It doesn't say that he breaks down the door. So if you don't want to answer the door, that's all right. But if you're going to answer the door, it's your decision and it's your choice. But don't get in the way of somebody else answering the door that God is knocking on. And so tonight, as we move forward, as we move into this time of the message, we just need to let go of everything. We should let go of our burdens, let go of the baggage, let go of the, of the blinders that are on us and just focus in on what it is that God has for us. Amen? Hey, Lily's gonna be coming up. She's gonna be praying for us as we move into this time. Hey, but what I wanna do right now is that everybody in the room, just close your eyes right now. Just close your eyes. And what we're gonna do is that we are just gonna focus in on what it is that God has for us. distractions aside, Lord, whatever it is, God, that's been going on in our week, Lord, I pray that we can just remember the verse that says, don't focus on tomorrow, because tomorrow we'll have enough worries of our own, God. I just pray that we can just be so steadfast and just have our eyes fixed on you, Lord, in this moment, Jesus. I pray that tonight we're just able to step into all that you have for us, God. I just thank you so much for your presence, Jesus. I thank you for walking with us and allowing us to just um, be in this room tonight, God. It is such a blessing. So we just thank you, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, go on, head back to your seats and tell five people, Lakers in five.
Butler with two seconds. He's got to put it up. Ladies and gentlemen. This morning, harrowing new witness accounts of the Nashville school shooting. Into something far more, it turned into the manifest presence of God. Yo, Bridgewood, how you guys doing tonight? You good? You look good. Hey, thank you so much for coming and spending some time with us and your busy schedules and life, everything you got going on. You chose to spend your Wednesday night right here. We think that's so special. We think that's so cool. If you got a Bible, open to John chapter 10. If you got a Bible, open to John chapter 10. Hey, if you're brand new, so stoked that you are here. So stoked you're in the room. Maybe you're watching online. So pumped that you guys um chose to come and hang out. One of our favorite things in the whole world is meeting new people. We like uh, welcoming our guests every week by saying we're here to build you up, not? Yeah, we love you. We back you. And uh, we're just so stoked you chose to spend some of your time with us. Hey, um, before we move on, I, I do want to say we are going to youth convention, San Diego. We are going to uh, uh, the town and country taking over for three days. We're almost completely sold out, but we got two guy spots open. Two. Just two. And you got to sign up before midnight. So if you're like, I want to go. I've been putting it off. I've been procrastinating. I get it. I'm like the worst procrastinator on the planet. Um, if you've been procrastinating, you got to get on it and you got to get on it tonight. So when you go home, go tell your mom, your dad, hey, I want to go to youth convention. Go to thebridgechurch.tv and sign up. You will not regret going. I promise you. You might regret not going, but I promise you won't regret going. Hey, tonight we're going to continue in our series entitled Virtual Reality. Somebody say Virtual Reality. And tonight we are going to talk about social media. We're going to talk about social media, uh, which in some ways feels so fitting for tonight as, as like Wyatt just talked about a moment ago in, in his uh, moment. I had to go up to some of our boys and like, yo, you're like distracting the whole room. Social media is one of the biggest distractions on the planet right now. And, and what I feel is like it's so fitting for tonight because I really felt like in so many ways there's this like spirit of distraction in the room. And I, and I really feel like as youth pastor, I got to pause and I got to address it for a moment. Here at Bridge Youth, we are like, you. if you're in the room, you're family. Well, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up as a Christian. Um, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. When I walked into church for the first time, I felt so out of place. I felt like I didn't belong and like I wasn't welcome. Here at Bridge Youth, for the last seven years that Amber and I have been the pastors of this, we have always strived to make sure that no matter who you are, no matter your background, no matter the, the life that you come from, no matter the mistakes you might have made, no matter what you did an hour before you came here, no matter how you're dressed, no matter how you look, no matter what you believe, no matter your religious background, we have always strived to make sure every single person in this room feels welcome. This is why we always say, we got one rule. If you're in the room, you are family. We say all the time, you don't have to believe to belong. But here's the one thing that I feel like we need to be on the same page. We need to have this sort of mutual respect. We need to have this sort of, uh, uh, I'm not coming in the room to distract. Last week, we had a kid at the back of the room scream at the top of his lungs before he left. 
terrified half of the room because of some of the stupid stuff that's been going on in the world, stuff that we've been talking about throughout this series. And now we're getting with him and we're getting with his parents and we're letting him know one of the stupidest things that you could possibly do is stand at the back of the room with 300 teenagers facing the opposite direction and yell something because I saw the front row as this kid who thought he was cool terrified a bunch of little junior high girls. Yeah, bro, you're so cool. Now, here's, here's my whole point in this. Wyatt just talked about how God wants to do something. And by the, way, if, uh, by the way, let me just tell you guys this. In this room, you are very, very, very safe. And I'll, I'll just leave it at this. If anybody ever wanted to come here and try to cause you harm, we've got a security team that wouldn't let them pass the front doors. They wouldn't make it. I, I guarantee you that. But my point is, it's like, I feel like there's so much going on in the world, in life, in your life, even every week in this room where God wants to move and he wants to do something. So what's the enemy going to do? Obviously, he's going to bring distraction. Now, what I fear is that you and I potentially become the distraction. Whether that's in a room like this, as we're over here worshiping, and there's a whole room full of people who want to experience God, and then there's a pocket of people who want to put the focus and the attention on themselves. And to me, that just reminds me of social media. To me, that just reminds me of people who, who get on social media and they want to try to make the whole world about themselves. It is really quiet in this Presbyterian church tonight. <laughs> Man, there's, in, in youth ministry, you know, you know you're preaching good two times. One, when, it is, when it's loud and you hear amen, you hear that's good, you hear let's go, you hear preach it, white boy, or when it's dead silent. So I know I'm hitting home. Now here's my fear. My fear is that if I don't help you realize that your life, your actions, the way you're walking is actually being a distraction, that you'll walk through life being a distraction. But here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. To the, um, to the boys I, I walked up to during worship, I bro, I love you boys. You're, you're my boys. Like, I was that guy. Here's what I've learned about guys like you. Guys like you, young ladies like you. If you can distract a whole room, it's because you have leadership in you. Now, what you need to do is you need to channel that in such a way. If you have a ton of followers on social media, it's one of two things. Either you are appealing to somebody's sinful desires, or number two, you've got leadership in you. So the question is, what direction are you going to pull and guide that leadership in? Are you going to point people to God? Are you going to point people towards the kingdom? Or are you going to pull them in your own direction? Because I promise you this, you keep pulling people in your own direction, you will fail them. How do you know that, Corey? Because I fail people left and right. People have failed me left and right. Anytime that you ever try to make a person God in your life, they will fail you. Anytime you ever try to be God in somebody's life, you will fail them. This is why in moments of worship, we don't want distraction. Because worship's not about you and me. If anybody ever starts worshiping you, you better tell them to stop. If anybody ever starts trying to worship me, I will immediately tell them to stop. Probably fall on my face before the Lord and tell them, God, I didn't want the worship. So tonight, we're going to be talking about social media. And I felt like I needed to, 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 I felt like I needed to hit this this thought of distraction because it just tonight I don't know and it's it's not by any coincidence tonight there was just I felt this sort of spirit of distraction but it makes sense doesn't it anytime God wants to do something great the enemy's going to come and distract we're talking about giving giving uh, six figure digit money to people in the world 
who don't have clean water, food to eat, and distraction comes. We begin to worship God, distraction comes. Can I tell you, young person, anytime that, isn't it funny how every single Wednesday, just a couple hours before youth, some distraction comes and tries to keep you from getting here? Isn't it funny how every single time you want to crack open your Bible, distraction comes? Isn't it hilarious that, that you, you, the one moment you decide, I'm going to jump in the Bible app, I'm going to do my devotional. Nobody's been hitting you up all day. All of a sudden, boom, text messages, alerts. People are DMing you left and right because the enemy always wants to distract. Look at your neighbor say, don't distract. Now, here's the other part of this. It's like... Like, here at Bridge Youth, we are not the church of the chosen frozen. If you're here for the very first time, I'll tell you, we are a, 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 a dialogue-type church. I'm a hollaback preacher. You'll get the best out of me if I get the best out of you. There's just one rule in all that. You add to, you don't take away. Right? You, you, you add to the experience. There's time to turn to the person next to you, laugh, say something. I'll tell you left and right all night tonight to tell your neighbor something. And then I'll tell you to tell your second neighbor, the one that you chose second, for whatever reason. I'll tell you to tell them stuff. But when there's moments where, like, all the focus, all the attention, everything is being pulled in your direction, that's when things start getting out of balance. So, is everybody cool with that and you still love me? Because I still love you. And I... One of the biggest things, man, I see some of our young people who are so passionate for God, who love him so much, who just want to experience him, have moments. They're out here in the world where they feel like they're just a light in the darkness. And then they come here and they're like, I want my moment of getting refreshed, get wind in my sails to get back out and to serve God in the world. And I'd hate for any of those young people to feel like those moments are being stolen from them. So tonight we're talking about social media. We're going to talk about the side effects of social media. You guys ever see the commercials where it's like some, uh, it's some type of, of, of medication and it's like whatever. It's like, like skin ointment and then it tells you like all this stuff like your life will be better. You'll be able to go out. Your acne is going to clear up in five seconds. It's going to be great. You're going to have confidence. And then it's like all this like random stuff that just looks super fulfilling. It's like, you know, white people running in slow motion through a grassy field. And it's like, why, why, why are they always doing that? I just saw this TikTok. This has nothing to do with what I'm talking about tonight other than social media. It said, it said white people on a hike and they're just going, <laughs> and they just keep walking. I'm like, dude, like you can only be mad at that if it's not true, you know? Like the, the, the commercials for these medications are like, people are like out there playing tennis with the biggest smiles on their face. And it's like, of course I'm so happy. My rash has cleared up, you know? And then there's always the, there's always the moment at the end of the commercial, right? You guys know the moment I'm talking about. The moment that's like, like, Allegra, I feel like that's an actual, like, medicine, so hopefully it's not YouTube. Don't shut off our stream. It's like, Allegra, it will solve all of your skin problems. Side effects may include headache, heartache, itchy scalp, hair loss, increased levels of saliva production, decreased levels of oxygen, blurred vision, loss of smell and taste, heavy breathing, explosive diarrhea, ear infection, sinus infection, irritable bowel syndrome, and early loss of life. But hey, the rash on your left butt cheek might go away. <laughs> it's like, what the heck? Like, why do they always try to skim past those side effects as if like, whoa, whoa, you think I didn't hear that last one? Early loss of life? That's just death. You know, it's like one of the side effects. Social media has these side effects that the whole world is so quiet about. And it's like the end of these commercials where they jam past it and they just don't want you to hear it. Um, with your parents' permission, 
I would encourage you to go watch a documentary called The Social Dilemma as it sheds so much light on so much of the destruction of social media. Now, here's the thing. If there are side effects, there's got to be a solution, right? I'm not here just bringing bad news. I'm here to bring some good news. There is a solution. See, it's like water that's been contaminated. When I was in Kenya, um, we had asked the, 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 um, these people in one of the villages that we went to, we had asked them, hey, um, what's the biggest issue and problem your village faces? And they go, easy, access to clean water. We don't have access to clean water. And they began to talk about how little amount of money it would cost to create the filtration system to give them clean water. See, if water gets contaminated, there's still good stuff in there. You just got to filter out the toxins. So tonight, we're going to talk about that filtering. We're going to talk about those toxins. So here's your sermon in a sentence. If you are taking notes, write this down. It's time to create a TSA on the brain. It's time to create... A TSA on the brain. Um, by show of hands, who's ever uh, flown on an airplane? Who's ever flown on an airplane? So you've also experienced hell on earth called TSA. Why are they so mean? Like, uh, it's every TSA agent, like, just demonically possessed? Or, you know, like, they all, like, I've, I don't know that I've ever had a good experience with a TSA agent. Like, I'm not sure they're capable of smiling. And then they, they, they I don't know why they make you take your shoes off. Like, your shoes are off, all you, like, you take, everything goes into the bucket, you put it through the scanner, you walk into the scanner, you do this thing, and they're like, don't move. And I always feel like I'm moving, but I'm like, am I moving? I don't know if I'm moving. The thing goes, whoop, and then they take you through, and then they wave the wand, and then they let you go. To me, I think the solution to the side effects is creating a sort of TSA like that on our heart our mind on the brain. Romans says to be transformed by changing the way that you think. So I think that what we need to do is just like TSA, anything that's going to come through here, it's first got to go through a filter. It's got to go through the metal detector. It's got to go through the process before I ever let it hit my head or my heart. Amen? All right, so tonight we're going to read in uh, one of my favorite portions of Scripture in all the New Testament, John chapter 10. We're going to read 10 verses in John chapter 10. Um, This concludes with, I mean, maybe, it's not my favorite Bible verse, but it's one of my favorite Bible verses. So if you guys would, would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? We're going to read 10 verses. I'm going to read it as quick as I can. Is anybody else a slow reader? I'm like a, I'm a really slow reader. One of the most like uh, self-conscious moments of preaching. There's not like, I don't really get like nervous necessarily, pretty much ever in life, but especially not like preaching. I feel called and gifted to do it. But then when I have to read, I'm like, oh no, here we go. Like I'm slightly dyslexic. I have ADHD. My vision's not great. And here we go. How are the Lakers doing? God, God. All right, verse number one, John chapter 10. I tell you the truth. Who's I? Jesus. Jesus is talking here. He's telling a story, and he says, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold. I know you guys don't know what a sheepfold is. Not many of you would be like farmers or growing up around agriculture like a lot of people did in this day. A sheepfold was like a big pen where a bunch of sheep would be, and the, the wall would have been like someone trying to sneak over and into the sort of uh, place that contained all the sheep. It says, I tell you the truth, anybody who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief or a robber. But the one who enters through the gate 
is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Verse 6, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate. What is a gate if not like a filter? It's the filter that keeps uh, not just anybody from coming into this sheepfold, right? So Jesus is saying, I'm the filter. I'm the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will uh, come and go freely and find good pastures. Now, here's that famous verse, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. The thief's purpose, the devil's purpose, the enemy's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy My purpose is to give them a rich, satisfying life. Another version says that they may have life and they may live life more abundantly. One more version says that they may live life and they may live life to the fullest. Before you sit down, let's pray. God, would you speak to us tonight? Please, Lord, help these Lakers. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. Um, I'm going to tell you about one of the times that me and my wife got in a fight at the happiest place on earth. Um, I, t- I say one of the times because there's actually been several times that Amber and I have gotten a fight at Disneyland. But this one time, um, he, this was the day. I think we have a picture of the day that we fought at. Yeah, that was the day. Um, it was legendary because we were annual pass holders. No big deal, guys. Uh, and we had got a picture with like every cast member except for Mickey, every character except Mickey. And then we're walking in. If you've ever been to Disneyland, we're walking in the main park. We're about to go up Main Street and off to the right where, like, the Abraham Lincoln Theater is. Um, there's, like, a backstage area. And Mickey walks out and gets planted to do pictures right there. We're like, oh, this is our chance. Like, let's go take a picture with Mickey. So we run up. We take a picture with Mickey. We post that picture. And, like, at that time, like, like I had more engagement with that post than probably anything I'd ever posted in the history of my Instagram. It got like more likes. It got more comments. There were a ton of people who were like, oh, that's so sick. That's so sweet. It's like the middle of summer. The weather's great. We're both in shorts. We're hanging out with Mickey at the happiest place on earth. It was awesome. We're talking about like some of our students from our youth group at the time. We were youth pastors in Elsinore. Like that's, it's like goals. I want one day to be at the happiest place on earth with the love of my life life. I'm like, I bet you do. (laughs) Only problem, two seconds before we took that picture where we're smiling with Mickey, we were fighting. We were arguing. We're coming into the park arguing about stuff. Do you remember what we were arguing about? I don't even remember. That's like just wisdom right there. You're probably not going to ever remember what you fight about with your spouse, Sam. So stop fighting with her. All right, leave her alone. (laughs) Uh, Like, like, we, I don't even remember what we're fighting. We're fighting the whole time. And then we pause for two seconds to take a picture. We smile with Mickey, and then we go back to arguing. What's the point? The point is this. Social media is such a facade. It's such a, a highlight reel. It's such a virtual reality to the point that even as pastors, what it is that we, nobody takes 150 selfies and finds the worst one and posts it. 
And so, so it was with our social media that day. And even though a bunch of people off the reflection of this one post thought that our day was going a certain way, it was completely going the opposite way. Tonight we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about the facade, the feed, and the fallen. So number one, point one, write this down, the facade. Here's the thing. Social media is not real life. Somebody say amen. It's not. It's not real life. And there's side effects to this facade. One of the, one of the side effects of this facade is this sort of comparison game that's going on. Because what happens is, is you see people post a sort of highlight reel, and then you compare it to, like, what's going on in your life presently, currently, in that moment. Like, you ever, you ever on, like, I don't know, hour four, five of binging the office, and you're, like, covered in Cheeto dust? You've eaten, like, what are those Oreos that you eat, Miranda? You're literally eating a snack pack right now. This woman's got the worst diet on the planet. I don't know how you, like, developed into an actual human. Like, hot Cheetos, snack packs, and Oreo what? Anybody else eat Oreo Cakesters? Bro, y'all are, y'all are going to die of diabetes or something, man. You need to eat real food. Dude, you know, like, we're talking about warnings. This is not the deal I'm talking about. You know that that cup of noodle has said, like, don't microwave, like, the cup of noodle. Like, don't microwave it in the cup, the styrofoam. They said it, like, causes cancer. I'm like, bro, I got cancer. <laughs> I've been doing that my whole life, and I'm going to keep on. Do they have a line in the cup for it, man? Like, so, like, you ever been, like, I don't know, boys, you're, like, hour seven of playing video games and you're just like dehydrated you like you haven't even gotten up to go pee you're covered in in chip dust and then you just like open your phone on the loading screen and you see like your buddy who's the starting quarterback of the football team and he just like PR'd his bench and he looks all buff and he's glistening and the light's just right and then you look down at you and you're like is that maple syrup? <laughs> I don't remember eating maples. Ladies, like, like you're, you're at home, you know, watching the notebook for the 800th time, crying yourself to sleep and sorrowful, lonesome. Your hair's up in a bun, only like the back hairs right here aren't in the bun because you foolishly cut your hair six months ago and you're still regretting that decision. And then, <laughs> just got too personal for somebody. And then like, like, you pause the movie, you, you, you go on your phone, and you see that Sarah, darn you, Sarah, is out on a romantic date with that same quarterback that's buff and good-looking and also drives a Tesla, and they just had, like, a, a sunset romantic date, and then you're like, the only date I have is Jim Halpert from the office right now. And you look at their highlight real moment to your current moment, and then you immediately play this comparison game. Like, how destructive is that? Because here's the thing, is that their highlight reel isn't even real. Like, like me, we were at Disneyland and posted a highlight reel moment where so many people thought we were having this great date. It was awesome. We even got a picture with Mickey. But no, we were fighting. And so one of the things happening with this facade is there's so many young people who are out here, like they are, they are living a comparison game, thinking that their life is terrible because they think that social media is a reflection of people's real life when it's not. Here's something crazy about this facade. 
there's this phenomenon right now called Snapchat dysmorphia. Have you guys ever heard of this? Snapchat dysmorphia. Here's what it is. There's experts that say that there's a percentage of young people who actually look at their own face through filters on social media more than they do the mirror. And so what's happened is internally in their own heart and head, they've began to think that the real version of themselves is the filter on their phone and not what they actually look like. Thus, they begin to seek plastic surgery to make their selves and their bodies look like the filters on their phone instead of what they actually look like. Talk about a facade. Talk about manipulation, that there are young people out here no longer wanting to be who God created them to be. Instead, they want to become who social media has told them they are. And it's scary because there's so many of us who spend so much time on social media every day, and we continue to live the lie that everyone else is being distracted, but not me. You know what the best mirror, though, is? It's God's word. It's who God says that you are. You know that Psalm 139, it actually says that God knits you together in your mother's womb and that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That's who you are. Another part of this facade is this this idea. It's not really used anymore, but it's still so prevalent amongst people who are on social media is this, like, this, this concept called FOMO, this fear of missing out. You're watching other people do stuff that they probably aren't even enjoying as much as you think they are because you've made up this story about their highlight reel that's not even true. They're fighting at Disneyland. And, and then you have this fear that like, oh, they're out here doing all this amazing stuff and I don't know, I'm just at home watching The Office for 12 hours covered in Cheeto dust. I'm just playing my 14th hour of Fortnite and my butt's been asleep for 12 of those hours. And I can't seem to get myself out of this chair. And you have this thought that like their life looks so amazing and my life is so terrible and I'm so fearful that I must be missing out. But scripture says God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, where is that attitude and that spirit coming from? It's not God. So be careful of falling to that facade. Let's talk about algorithms for a little bit. You guys ever heard of algorithms? Did you know that every single person in this room has a digital version of you? That major tech companies and social media platforms have a literal digital version of you. And it's based on, it's based on things that you like, stuff that you engage with. It's based on purchases that you've made. It's based on uh, uh, um, websites that you visited. It's based on emails you send and receive. It's based on the things that they want you to purchase. And it's based on the things that they want you to see in ways that they want you to think. It's even at this point based on the conversations that you have. Anybody ever do this? Anybody ever have a conversation about something and if you've never seen an ad about that something and then 10 minutes later you're on your phone and you see that something on your ad, like a feed to you. Isn't that so creepy? Like, does anybody else just, like, want to look at your phone and say, stop listening to me? You're like, you, the things that are normal for us now are, like, what psychotic conspiracy theorists talked about 10 years ago. The conspiracy theorists were like, phones are listening to us. And you're like, ah, put your foil helmet back on and keep worrying about the Martians. And now we're like, no, like, Google literally said they listen to us. Yeah, they actually said we do that. Uh-huh. It's so wild, right? And you have a digital version of you, and based on the digital version of you, they create this algorithm that just pumps this stuff in front of you based on what they think that you want to see and the stuff that they want you to see. And I heard this quote 
um, actually in that documentary uh, that I was talking about earlier, if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. Oh, gosh. That's like a terrifying quote because your attention is the product. Social media, it's free to have an Instagram. So how do they make money? Because you're not how they make their money. People who advertise things, who push agendas, people who want uh, uh, your attention. What they're fighting for isn't dollars. They're fighting for your attention. And uh, one person in the documentary said, that's too simplified. They're fighting for the way that you think because they know if they slowly but surely put stuff in front of you in a certain way, in a certain manner, and enough of it, they can change the way you think just a little bit every single day. Does that scare anybody else? So what's the answer? The answer is a filter, a TSA on your brain. Here's what I'd say about algorithms. To counter an algorithm, change your rhythm. To counter an algorithm, change your rhythm, the rhythm of your life. Here's a few tips. You might want to write some of these down. Start and end your day with God. Start and end your day with God. So many people start and end their day with social media. Start and end your day with God. Put on a message. Listen to some worship music. Read a little bit of scripture. Nobody's saying you got to read an hour worth of the Bible every single morning. I'm not a morning person. I'm not going to read four chapters of the Bible first thing in the morning. It's not going to happen. But when I wake up, I'm always putting on a podcast, a message, or some worship music as I'm getting ready for my day. Every morning, the first thing I do the moment my eyes open is I pray. It's a quick prayer. It's a shotgun prayer. It's a bullet prayer. But it's the first thing that I do. And then... Any content that I'm going to take in is going to be godly content right away. Limit how much time you spend on your phone. Put one of those limit things on your phone that only allows you to be on there for a certain amount of time. Because this has happened to anybody else. You're like, oh, I'm going to go on my phone for like five minutes, and then I got this or that I'm going to do, you know, uh, athletes. You're like, I'm going to go put up some shots in the backyard, uh, but, you know, I want to I take a break real quick, five, ten minutes on my phone, and then I'm going to go put up the shots. And you're on your phone, and then you look at your watch, or you don't wear a watch. You look at your, you know, your phone, the, the, the time on your phone, and all of a sudden you realize you've been on your phone for 45 minutes, not five minutes. And you're like, where did the time go? Limit the amount of time that you're on your phone. Here's another good idea. Intentionally follow and view godly content. So that your algorithm gets fixed on putting something decent in front of you once in a while. Here's a great one. Um, Unfollow certain people. Unfollow certain accounts. I'll tell you right now. If you post a bikini pic, I'm unfollowing you. I don't care. I don't care who you are. Like, I unfollowed a family member's wife. Because she was posting stuff that I don't want to see. And she got mad at me too. So that was tough. I had to explain to her, there's only one person on the whole planet I want to see and stuff like that. And it's my wife. Unfollow. Unfollow accounts that's putting in front of you stuff that you know you don't want to be seeing anyways. And you're going to fall victim to it. There's this button called the unfollow button. And it's not the I hate you button. They might take it like that. That's their problem. That's their problem. Because there's going to be stuff that's going to be sent your way and you, it is voluntary whether or not you're going to view it and look at it. Unfollow certain accounts and make sure that you're hearing from the Father more than you're hearing from this facade. Put a TSA on your brain. Why? Because if you do, you'll, be, you'll learn to listen to the shepherd's voice. Like John 10 said, you'll learn to listen to the shepherd's voice so that when a stranger comes along, you don't follow them and you don't follow for the facade. The second point, let's talk about the feed. Isn't it weird that what you view on social media, they call it your 
feed. The same things that they give to animals to keep them alive and to fatten them up, it's called feed. That's what they call the content that they give you on social media every day. They call it feed. You know, uh, watching TV and actual like channels on TV isn't quite as, as popular as it once was. But you know what they call the TV, the, the content on a given TV channel? You know what they call that? They call it the TV program. They call it programming. What does a computer engineer, what is he doing when he's working on a computer and he's programming the computer? You know what that computer engineer is doing? He is programming the computer, teaching it how to think. The programming on a computer is to teach the computer how to think. And they call the stuff you watch on TV programming. So I heard this quote. um, There are two industries that call their customers users. Everybody say users. There's two industries that call their customers users. Illegal drugs and software. Okay, social media, TV, media, movies, and computer software. And illegal drugs. Let's talk about addiction for a moment. Does this ever happen to anybody else? And I'll, I'll be the first to admit this happens to me. You ever sit in somewhere, maybe you're at dinner, maybe you're in class, maybe you're in the car, and you feel your phone vibrate. And you're like, oh, I got a text or something. And then you look, and you're like, no, I don't have a text. Any, does that happen to anybody else? You're like, I don't have a text. I don't have an email. I don't have any notifications. I swear I felt my phone vibrate. You know what they call that? They call it phantom vibration sensation. And it's actually a physical sign that you're addicted to your phone. Let me rephrase that, that we're addicted to our phones. Because the amount of times that's happened to me is scary. Like, oh, wait, I got something. Wait, no, there's nothing there. No. <laughs> you know, every time that happens to me, I feel so defeated. Like, they got me again. It's called phantom vibration sensation. And the reason that you feel it is that going on your phone and looking at things like likes, comments, things that um, uh, uh, boost kind of your confidence and your ego, it releases this thing in your brain that you've probably heard of called dopamine. You know, it's the same stuff that gets released when you do certain drugs. So what they've discovered is that social media has actually become legitimately addicted. And I would venture to say that so many people in this room and even more people are currently watching online on YouTube because you're on social media right now watching us. What's wrong with you? The first step to recovery is admitting you have a problem. <laughs> um, so many of us are like, all right, tonight I'm just going to bed. I'm just going to bed. I'm not even going to touch my phone. And then you're like, you get in bed and you're like, I'm not really that tired though. You know, sometimes like going down the rabbit hole of YouTube, it just helps me to get sleepy. So then you go on YouTube for a while, but then you flip over to TikTok and then you jump over to Instagram. Then you go back to TikTok and you're just going through and you're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling to the point that what you're literally doing is having dopamine hit, dopamine hit, dopamine hit, and you are literally building an addiction your phone. And so many people will end up waking up the next morning dead tired, feeling so uh, uh, um, regretful, asking themselves, how did I do that again? And it's so similar to the cycle that a drug addict or an alcoholic goes through. And we're doing this with our phones. To the point, people, people have built up muscle memory with like, oh, you know, boom, swipe, bam, ooh, there, I'm on, I'm on Instagram. They're saying a bunch of people, they'll, they'll want to actually go open a different app, but their fingers will boop, 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 and they open a, a social media account. They're like, wait, that's not what I'm even wanting to look at. <laughs> and there's heads in the room nodding going, dang it, I've done that. 
it's so wild because we've literally become addicted to these things in our pocket. And in so many ways, it's because these dopamine hits are happening. And why do we do it? It's because we live in an instant gratification culture. Instant gratification. Think about it. Is there anything that in the next 10 minutes that if you had enough money that you couldn't get? I could get on my phone, hit a couple of buttons, and have a car pick me up. I could have that car take me to any food that I want. I can have that car take me to just about any amount of entertainment that I want. In our culture, in our society, we really don't have to wait for anything. Here's an idea. The next time that you want to go on your phone, make yourself wait for 30 minutes and see how you begin to react emotionally, physically, mentally. And all of those things, emotional, physical, mental, all of those things tie to your spiritual. Make yourself wait for an hour before you go on your phone next time you want to and see how your body reacts. See if you begin to react in the same sort of way that a drug addict or an alcoholic would act. And some of you, you're already doing that right now because you're thinking to yourself, Corey, I don't have to do that because I don't have a problem, said every single drug addict ever. (laughs) Beware of getting addicted to the stuff that, that literally science has already proven is addicted. Matthew 4.4 4 says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, I don't want to be addicted to anything but God, God's word. I want to be addicted to prayer. I want to be addicted to my Bible. I want to be addicted to worshiping God. I don't want to be addicted to anything that is causing me harm. I want to, if I don't run to God for five minutes, I want to like start having a twitch. Like, oh no, I need God. I need more of God. Let's talk for a moment about destruction. One of the destructions of, of, of the feed that we've been taking for so long is this decline in apathy. Somebody say, somebody say uh, I'm sorry, the, the decline of empathy. Somebody say empathy. So you guys know what empathy is, right? Imagine... You know like that, that feeling you feel in your heart when you're like, you're getting off the off ramp of the freeway and there's a homeless guy there and you think to yourself, like he's got nobody and nothing and your heart just breaks. And for some of you, you're like moved to action where you're like, dude, well, like I got five bucks in my pocket and what am I gonna do with five bucks? And you give it to him. You tell him, hey, God bless you, man. Or, or maybe like you see, see him in like the Vaughn's parking lot and you're like, dude, meet, meet me over at, uh, what's the sandwich shop in the parking lot down there? John's, no, something John's. Jersey Mike's, dude, I was way off. I just went with a biblical name, you know, pastor. Jersey Mike's. Um, like, hey, meet me over at Jersey Mike's and, and I'll, I'll, grab you, I'll grab you some food. Or, you know, for us, Bridge Youth, there's, there's a handful of these still around. We have these care packages that we made a few, um, a few years ago, really, about a year, year and a half ago. And we keep them in the trunk of our car. And it's got some granola bars, new socks. It's got some dental hygiene stuff. It's got just some things that they would need. It's got some sunscreen. And it's just a, a bag of things that people would need. And we keep it in the trunk of our car. And anytime we see someone who's homeless, we bring it to them. And, hey, would this stuff help? And, and that's empathy. You know, empathy is, is, is when you see tragedy in somebody's life and your heart breaks for them. Well, the... Um, University of Michigan did a study that found amongst young people, there's been a decline in empathy by about 40% from the young people who grew up in the 1970s versus the young people growing up in the 2000s. A 40% decrease. And notably, the decline was seen after the 2000, after the year 2000 and the rise of social media. And in asking why, why do, so literally, this, I love your guys' generation in so many ways. Like, I love you. But, well, your generation and mine. Millennials and Gen Z literally care less about other people. They're less empathetic. And so when they're asking the question, why, 
they say one of the reasons why is because of what's called an overexposure to tragedy. So what's happening is it's really not your fault entirely that you have a lack of empathy because what's happening is you're on your social media and you're scrolling and you're scrolling and you're scrolling. And the things that when the kids in the 70s would rarely ever hear about, you're hearing 6, 7, 8, 10, 12, 15 times a day through your social media feed. And so what's happening is that not only are you overexposed to the tragedy, but that overexposure is causing um, the human brain, which is like a supercomputer that is always trying to keep up with what's going on around you. It's trying to differentiate the valuable from the non-valuable, the important from the non-important. And it's it's actually really tough for a developing brain to do in adolescence as they're scrolling and they're like, oh, Lakers down by 87. That sucks. Oh, look at that. There's There's a cat playing piano. Oh, look at that. My friend kick-flipped his first five-stair. Oh, look at that. Johnny had Chipotle for dinner. Oh, look at that. There's a school shooting in Tennessee. Oh, look at that. Another cat playing piano. Wait, what was that last thing? And what's happened is that our brains are actually having a hard time differentiating what's important and what's not important. Oh, look at that. You know, Chaparral beat Vista in basketball. Said nobody in the last few years. I was going to say ever, but maybe not ever. Um, Vista's basketball team's great. Oh, look at that. Like, you know, my friend, my friend just finished watching this anime. So sick. Oh, look at that. Like, another cat playing piano. What's up with these cats playing piano? <laughs> oh, look at that. Like, uh, oh, that's cool. Like, this guy helped an old lady across the street. That's a fun video. Oh, well, dang, my friend's mom died. Oh, dang, another cat playing piano. And you're like, wait, what was that last one? You ever scroll past something and think, I should care about that. Why don't I? You ever scroll past something that you think, that should make me cry. And if it was at the end of a two-hour movie with some somber symphonic music, I probably would be crying. But this is actually a real person, not a fake person, which is another thing that our brains are having a hard time differentiating because we look at more people on screens than we do in the face. So then we look at a screen and we can't figure out whether they're a real person or not a real person, but it's a friend of ours. And that friend just had their mother pass away and we can't seem to connect emotionally to that and we don't feel empathy. Corey, you're sharing a lot of bad news. What's the good news? The answer is a filter. It's a filter. You can decrease the destruction by decreasing the exposure. How long do you spend on Instagram, social media, all that? Here's the thing, in the, mix, in the midst of the decline of empathy, there's been a rise in mental health. Anxiety, suicide, self-harm, and depression are at an all-time high amongst teenagers. Here's a scary part for you young ladies. It seems like it's hitting you worse than it is the guys. Check, these, check out these uh, few stats. Um, U.S. hospital admissions for non-fatal self-harm. Girls 15 to 19. It's increased 62% since 2009. You want to hear a scarier one? How many people in the room have a a young sister, have a little sister? For girls 10 to 14, non-fatal self-harm hospitalizations have increased by 189% since 2009. How terrifying is that? Why is 2009 important? Because 2008 is the year that they say that social media went mobile and we began carrying it on our phones and with us every single day. It gets worse. Um, Suicide rates amongst girls 15 to 19 have increased 70%. For girls 10 to 14, catch this, 
have increased 151% compared to 2001 to 2010. And so many of these studies, they point directly at the moment that social media went mobile. Like, it sounds to me like John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you may have life and life abundantly. It's called a feed. You would never eat something without knowing what it is, unless you're a junior high boy who's just down for anything. And that's why I love my junior high boys. They'd be like, what is it? As they're putting it in their mouth. And you're like, it is slugs. And they're like, ooh, the French eat these, don't they? You know? <laughs> like, you would, you would never just... You would never have a plate of something looking disgusting come up to you and they say, eat it. And you'd go, what's, if, if somebody says like, hey, eat this, what's your first question? What is it? If something's coming across your feed, your first question should be, what is it? Is it good? Is it good for me? Is it not? Is it toxic? Because if so, I need to put it through the filter system. Beware of feasting on your feed without a filter. As the band heads up and I begin to close, let's talk about the fallen. We talked about the facade and the feed. Let's talk about the fallen. What's the fallen? The world has fallen in love with themselves and social media has fed them that love. Think about it for a moment. We created these things called selfies. You guys know that there was a time in history when there wasn't a, a, a camera on the front of your phone. There was only a camera on this side. Because at one point, people were so much more concerned with what was out here. And now, every phone you can ever purchase has a front-facing camera. Because apparently, we love ourselves so much, we think we need to bless the internet, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook for my grandma, and, and all of my friends' group chats with pictures of me. Like, well, just think about an Instagram profile for a moment. We think that our lives are so interesting, that we are so great, that we're going to create an entire page of just me. And you know what people are going to do? Because they just, like, they love me so much, they are going to get on their phone that they pay money for every single month to connect to the Wi-Fi that they pay money for every single month. And that hard-earned money is going to be spent on them going on their phone, navigating to my Instagram uh, account, and they're going to go click, and they're going to see pictures of me. They're going to see what I do in my free time, the things that I like, what I ate for dinner last night, pictures of my dog's butt, like everything. Everything. They're going to see all, they're going to love, they're going to see my social media, they're, they're going to see my, my favorite teens, they're going to see all of that. And then, and then they're actually going to have such a, a fundamental affection for me, they'll begin to press these little heart buttons called like buttons to just like express their love for me. And then beyond that, they won't just express their love towards me in, in a press of a button, they'll begin to sing my praises in the comments of my posts. You're so beautiful. You're so great. You are so amazing. You are goals. I want to be like you one day. I wish I could be like that. I wish I could do that. You're so phenomenal. You're so grand. You're so great. And to me, that's so scary because it sounds like worship. Last week, we read from a scripture that talks about how in the end days, people will become lovers of themselves. And you've been fed this lie that you gotta love yourself, love yourself, 
You love love yourself first. You can't love anybody else if you don't first love yourself. I understand it a bit, and I'm not completely in opposition to it. I think the best thing you could do, though, is see yourself how God sees you. And God does love you. God sees you as as his masterpiece. You're not an accident. You are loved. But social media has convinced us that we're stars in our own movie. Being a Christian is coming to the realization that I'm just a supporting actor. No matter how cliche this sounds, Jesus is the star. God is the main the main actor in the movie. And everything about my life is just in support of pointing to him. And what if we looked at our social media accounts like that? My social media is, for some of us, it's gonna be the biggest missions field that you'll ever be on, probably only second to your high school campus. And what if we looked at our social media accounts as not a way to point glory to ourselves, but to to express and show the people around us the love that we have for the Father and bring him glory. I love some of you. I I see some of your guys' social medias. And like, it's like, it's for some of you, it's like there's two things. It's like (laughs) Tyler is the sports teams he loves and Jesus. Like, that's it. It's like, it's it's, it's, uh, angels, Lakers, Raiders, and Jesus. That's all he posts about. (laughs) He's a Steelers fan. I don't want him to rush the stage and jump. A good friend here in the room, one of our students, I love, so proud of him. You'll see two things on his social media. You'll see mountain biking and Jesus. Like, that's it. It's so dope. I love it. And so much of what he does, even through mountain biking, he's like, oh, that's just because that's, that's a gift that God's given me. He's gifted me to do that. And you know what? Like, it's just, I do that to the glory of God. Anyways, I have a, a, a good friend in the room, like a little brother of mine. You'll see two things on his social media, basketball and Jesus. It's so sick. I love it. What if your social media wasn't just a, a platform to show everybody else how much you love yourself, but how much you love God? What if? John, the writer of the book of John, says this in chapter 3, verse 30. He says, he, Jesus, must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. John uh, 3.30 in ESV says, he must increase. I must decrease. Well, how do we do that? I think we create a filter. God, when I post this, who does it bring glory to? God, when I post this, God, when I post this, who, who, does it, who does it point to? Who does it reflect? God, this, when I view this. Now, here's the thing. I am not calling for a complete abandonment jump ship of all Christians off of social media. I think that's the stupidest thing that we could possibly do. For some of you, you might be at an age, stage, or season of life where getting off of social media for a while is a really good idea. Great. If God's putting that on your heart, do it. Man, do it. No. Wyatt doesn't have Instagram right now, and I think it's so dope. But imagine if all Christians jumped out of any other area of the world. It's like all Christians said, no more sports. We're not playing basketball, baseball, hockey, football, cheer, because cheer is a sport, bro. Like, if you don't think cheer is a sport, try picking up a girl, throwing her 10 feet in the air and catching her, man. We ain't going to... We ain't going to skate. We're not going to surf. We're not going to scooter. We're not going to dirt bike. We're, we're jumping ship on all sports. No more sports. And then sports would just divulge in darkness, and there wouldn't be any light of God in that world. Imagine we do that to social media. All Christians, we're getting off social media. It would divulge into darkness, and there wouldn't be any light. 
God, I hope you're on social media and reflecting God in this life. If you aren't, you're like, I'm in junior high. I don't need to be on social media right now. You're right. You are right. That's great. Good for you. But we all can't jump ship. We got to be light in a dark world. So how do we make sure that the destruction and the damage and, and, and the literal brainwashing and the addiction, how do we make sure that that's not hitting us? You create a filter. And I think in so many ways, like Jesus talked about how he was the gate to the sheepfold. We create a gate, God's word, our relationship with him, Jesus. It all has to come through this gate before it hits my head or my heart. And we'll see how God might work through it. And then checks and balances, man. Take inventory regularly. Take breaks when you need to. All of that. Because if we don't, we'll fall victim just like everybody else. As I close, anybody, has anybody seen the movie The Matrix? If you haven't seen The Matrix, where you been? <laughs> I heard somebody say this. They said, how do you wake up from The Matrix when you don't know that you're in The Matrix? If you remember the movie, it's like the world's controlled by robots and, and Neo is in a simulation, a virtual reality with this thing in the back of his head that just has him sitting in this tube, actually just experiencing a computerized version of the whole world. When this movie first came out, everybody was like, what if that's really going on? It was like mind blowing. It was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So how do you wake up from the matrix if you don't know that you're in the matrix? Well, you need Morpheus. You need somebody to wake you up. I think tonight in so many ways, for those who have been living a life of distraction, you're on autopilot. You're you, you love the show The Walking Dead because you can relate to the zombies. You're just walking around aimlessly, directionless. And tonight's your wake-up call. This is your moment. This is God reaching you. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Nobody distracting anybody in this moment. If that's you, in the midst of a night that feels so different than so many other nights at Bridge Youth, you would say, dang, that's me. I'm distracted. I'm, I'm, I've, been, I've been walking around, I've been walking around uh, uh, like on autopilot. And as Corey's talking, I... I feel like I don't know. It's like there's this, this spiritual alarm clock going off trying to wake me up. If that's you and, and you would say, I recognize this as my wake-up call from God and I want to give my life to Him. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I want you to just lift your hand and put it right back down with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, when I get to three, you lift your hand, put it right back down. You don't want to fall for the facade anymore. You want what John 10, 10 calls real life, an abundant life, that life that is to the fullest, living for Jesus. When I get to three, I want you to just lift your hand, put it right back down. Here we go. One, two, three, go. All over this way. Wow, you could put it right back down. What we're going to do is we're going to pray. Nothing special about these words, but we start this journey with God, the words that we say with our mouth, that we believe in our heart. It's the beginning of the journey. Would you guys repeat this right after me? Whether you rose your hand or didn't. We're, we're family here at Bridge Youth. We pray together. Would you say this? Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sin and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart, 
I give you my life. I give you everything. And from this moment forward, I'm going to follow you. From this moment forward, be my father and be my filter. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? Hey, you're going to hear about the next seven days in just a moment, but nobody distracted anybody. Would you stand to your feet? If you'd like to worship at the front, would you head down to the front? I want to pray a unique prayer over you. I felt like every week of this series, I feel like there's been a specific prayer that God has called me to kind of pray over you for the series. Week one, if you remember, we prayed for courage. Last week, we prayed for wisdom. Tonight, I want to pray for humility. There's a moment where John says, he must increase and I must decrease. Humility is the thing that that says, God, I need you. I need you to be my filter. I need you to be my protector. God, uh, in humility, I need you to be my teacher. God, I need you to show me the things that social media, I do not need to be learning these lessons from Google. (laughs) I I need to learn things from you. And you'll never step into that place if you become like what so many other people in the world are, just a lover of themselves. Just so in love with you that you think you're God's gift to mankind. And every single thought you ever have and every single thing you ever care about should be shared with the whole world. But rather in humility, we say, God, I need you. So I want to pray that over you. And then we're just going to, we're just going to worship because worship does this. God, it's not about me. It's about you. Would you do this in this moment? Would you forget you're in a crowded room? Would you close your eyes? Put your hands right out in front of you like you're receiving something from God. God, God, would you help us to be humble? God, we want more of you, less of us. God, you increase, I decrease. God, I pray that we would have the humility to know we are not the star in our own personal movie. We're just a supporting actor. I pray, God, that we would have humility to have our entire lives point to you because all about you anyways. And God, I pray in this moment, this would be a moment where we legitimately fall more in love with you as we sing your praises and we express our love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. And from 
talked a lot about distractions that we have in our lives, idols maybe that are distracting us from what God's calling us to. We're gonna sing a bridge right, right now that says, I won't bow to idols, but I'll stand strong and I'll worship you. The world wants you to bow down to so many idols, but God is asking you, will you just stand strong? Just worship me, just praise my name. Bridget, if we all agreed tonight that we could stand and we could say, Christ be magnified in my life, decrease myself so that you may be increased, decrease my influence so that you may be increased. That's the prayer we should be having. Christ be magnified in all areas of my life. So can we sing this out? Here we go. And sing. I won't bow to idols. I'll stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, then I'll rejoice because you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings. I'll hold fast to what is true. And if the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Cause death is just the doorway into resurrection life. And if I'll join you to stay the same. We don't want you to be the same. We want you to grow in Christ. We don't want to give you messages that keep you in the same spot, but things that challenge you and grow you in your faith. And so I was thinking a lot about how, you know, maybe there's some good things that you see in my life. Like I've had people that are like, hey, you've encouraged me or hey, you inspire me. And I want you to know, Bridge Youth, any leader in this room, myself included, the good things that you see in our life are God. It is God worked out. It is not what I could have put in myself. If I were to give you just myself, I would fail you. I would be a lo- I would be loving on myself. I would be about myself. No, the good things, the humility, all of those things, the good things, the inspiring things, that is God in me. And the only way that we can walk out God working out those things in us is by surrendering to him each and every day. 
And so I don't want you to say my name, Bridge Youth. I want you to say the name of Jesus. When you're talking to your friends at school, like Bridge Youth, this is the place I love to go. It's the place where I'm encouraged and, and, and it's just, a, it's a cool place. I want you to say the name of Jesus, not names of leaders. And of course there's leaders in our lives that love love us and care for us. And I will tell you, there are leaders on this team that literally bring their lunch to be, or sorry, their lunch, their dinner here. They eat dinner while we're praying so that they could just be here to serve you. Like there's some incredible leaders in this room, but the good that you see in them is not themselves. It is God worked out in them, God, what God has worked out in them. And so I wanna encourage you, Bridge Youth, don't be a lover of yourself. Be a lover of God. And us leaders, we're trying to do the same every single day. We have to remind ourselves to not be a lover of ourselves, but to be a lover of God. And so I want you to go away with that this week. And so anyone who made the decision to follow Christ, that is the best decision you could have ever made. Can we just give it up for everyone who made that decision tonight? We don't want you to walk out that journey alone. We wanna walk it with you hand in hand. And so we wanna send you some videos that will walk you through the next seven days. And so DM us at Bridge Youth, uh, YTH underscore, and we will get you connected with those videos. And not just connected with those videos, but connected with the leader that can walk out this journey, this journey of faith with you. And I wanna encourage you, with the challenge with the missions giving. If you didn't get an envelope, go ahead and ask us after service. We'll have some leaders at the front. We'll get you an envelope. If you wanna give tonight, you can give in that box on the way back, on, on your way out, or you can keep that, fill that up with what you feel like God has asked you to give, and then give in the next 45 days is kind of what we're looking at. So there's some time for you to give. So whatever the Lord has asked you to give, you can give it today, or you can give it in the weeks to come. So, and Bridge Youth, we don't just happen on Wednesdays, we happen on Sundays too. So we wanna see you in connect groups this Sunday at 1130. You guys have an awesome night. It was good hanging with you.